My trip reminded me we are more alike than we are different. We are more alike than we are different. I was in Atlanta. We, the first part of the trip, our ministry team goes to the Orange Conference every spring. And uh, we have a great time together, learn a lot, grow a lot. Uh, but the second half of my trip, I stayed with my parents uh, back at Christmas time. I uh, was supposed to be down there a week and, and cut that short. I only was there a day because of a funeral here in town. So um, I made up for that by staying a few extra days. And, and so uh, as I stay with my parents, uh, it, it reminded me again that uh, there are some differences with the folks down there, the culture down there and, the, and here. Uh, for instance... We just, in Warrensburg, don't have many meet-in-three places. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Uh, down there, you got a meet-in-three place all, almost every town. Meet-in-three is, you know, they have a, like pork chops or meatloaf or fried chicken. You get a, a meat and three vegetables. Uh, vegetables that are prepared a little different than they are here with a little butter, a little salt, little pepper, well, maybe a more than a little pepper and salt and butter, but it was good stuff. And so that's the, the kind of places I eat uh, when I'm down there. And so I got to tell you, I've, if you ever know anybody, if there's ever a market for uh, reviewers of banana pudding, sign me up. I had banana pudding four times in three days, uh, at four different places. Uh, I could tell you, uh, go on and on. Now, Listen, this is not the stuff you make with a little box with jello, you know. This is a banana pudding made the southern way with real banana slices and vanilla wafers, not vanilla, vanilla wafers on top and some whipped cream and some banana pudding. Man, it was good stuff. You know, I think by the third service, I'm going to be like making people want to run out and get some banana pudding, right? So I can tell you about that. I Also, people talk a little different down there. Uh, maybe you... Maybe you've noticed that. Uh, down where I'm from in, in Georgia, uh, people, maybe you've noticed that, listen to me every week, they talk a little different. But we uh, are more alike than we are different. I went to church with my parents, a small country church, a Methodist church, uh, and it was quite different from what we do every Sunday. Uh, yet, I saw that we all need the same things. We need water, like I haven't had for the last 24 hours. We need forgiveness. We need love. We need acceptance. We need belonging. No matter what culture we hail from, we all need those things. And we all need grace. Today I'm starting a new series called Amazing Grace. It's a study from the book of Jonah. And I will tell you, you ask folks about Jonah, and what do they tell you? It's about a fish. It's about far more than a fish. We're going to find that out. I would say to you that it is a story most and best about the grace of God. It's not about the fish. It's not about the cities. It's not about the man, Jonah, though he's a central character, a prophet of God. It is mostly about the grace of God. You can see it clearly this way. In Jonah, the fish is mentioned four times. The city of Nineveh is mentioned nine times. Jonah himself is mentioned 18 times. God is mentioned 38 times. So oftentimes, 
our big problem is in all of life. Our, our problems come up because we are more focused on the world and the culture and ourselves than we are God. We should read any book of the Bible in a theocentric way. That is God-centered, looking at where God is. And Jonah is, the book of Jonah is like that. It's meant to tell us how to interact with God. It's meant to tell us how to live the best kind of life we can live. Today we're going to look at the first three verses of chapter 1. But I want to give you some background before we get into that. First, I believe Jonah is a true story. I believe it is a true story. It's popular today. We even had a, a minister in one of our missions that we support question whether the story of Jonah actually happened like it's written. I, I believe fully that it is not a myth or a fable. I believe that God did actually create a great fish. And I will tell you that Jesus believed it too. Matthew 12, verses 39 to 41, Jesus talks about Jonah and he says, just as Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man, Jesus, be in the earth, which we just talked about at Easter. He'll be in the earth for three days and three nights. It is not at all too far-fetched that if God create, could, could create humans with the minds to conceive of uh, submarines where people can live underwater indefinitely, that he could create a fish, not a whale, it doesn't say whale, he could specially create a fish that had like a condo size, or at least a tiny house size stomach for Jonah living for three days. It comes down to a matter of trust. It comes down to a matter of faith. I believe that Jesus rose again from the dead. And if God can raise people from the dead, then he surely can make a fish that could take care of Jonah. But I digress. It's not really about the fish. I want you to see God's actions throughout the book of Jonah. I want that to be what you primarily look for as we study this together over the next several weeks. And today we're going to look at this pattern. I want you to see that Jonah was a person just like us. And the central question for all of us is, how do we relate to God? How, what, for what purpose were we created? How were we created to to live our best lives, and how does that, what does that look like in relation to God? I think Jonah had human strengths, just like all of us do. God creates each of us with gifts to use for ministry. He also had weaknesses. I think I see a pattern in Jonah 1 through 3, uh, chapter 1, that I want to share with you, a pattern that is for all of us. This is uh, we can all identify, we all can relate to this pattern. The first thing we see, the first step in the pattern is God leads or God calls. God leads or God calls. Verses 1 through 2. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. You see, this story is... It's pretty simple. We got three verses, but it begins with this call. This story is a story of God, him bringing upon his revelation, his direction for Jonah, just like he does for each one of us. You see, it's mysterious. Maybe you're like me. Sometimes you wish God would send you a telegram. But he doesn't work that way. He does give us, though, I think very specifically, 
a direction, a calling, a leading in life. It, it, in the way that we should serve, should help others, should build the kingdom, it reflects our gifts, our spiritual giftings, our passions, our experiences. In, in this, we understand and hear from God that he has for us, a desire for us to be used throughout the kingdom. But here he calls Jonah specifically to a place called Nineveh. Now, you need to understand, and I think I see clearly here, that life can change in a sentence. Life can change in a moment. Jonah's going along, trying to serve God and live for God. And he says, come and go to Nineveh. Get up and go. Now, what you need to understand is Nineveh was in modern-day Iraq. It was near the town of Mosul in northern Iraq. It was also the base for the Assyrian Empire. Now, the Assyrians and the Jewish people were mortal enemies. The Assyrians were cruel, brutal people, especially to their enemies, uh, which the Jewish people were. I won't tell you all the atrocities, the, the things that they did. You can look it up if you want to online. I don't want to repulse you. But trust me, uh, he hears go to Nineveh, and it is like the end of the world. And, and God does that. God calls each of us to Nineveh sometime. God's serious when he had Jesus say to us, you should love your enemies. You should pray for those who persecute you. We have a way of deciding who's worthy and who's not of ministry, of generosity, of giving, of serving. And God doesn't see people the way we do. Nineveh, for you, is the place God calls you where you don't want to go. Nineveh, maybe for you, is being around the kind of people that aren't like you, but who still need love, who still need ministry, who still need the word of the Lord. You see, there are people all around us that may be your own personal Nineveh. Maybe it's that coworker. Maybe it's that neighbor. Maybe it's that relative that we just don't get along with. Maybe if we're honest, we don't really like very much, but maybe God is calling you. How does God call today? I think he calls us generally through the teachings of Scripture, and I think he calls us specifically. His Spirit comes to live in each person who gives their life to Christ, and he will lead us to certain folks. Now, we have a way of rationalizing, a way of excusing, and not necessarily doing what he calls us to do with those people. We rationalize it away. But... Make no mistake, the first step in the pattern in each of our lives is God calls, he leads us to minister for him, sometimes to people that we don't like, sometimes vocationally to places we don't want to go. The second step in the pattern or part of the pattern is man chooses. Man chooses. And that's what happens here, verse 3. But Jonah went, ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Jonah makes it very clear here, this book, uh, what Jonah's decision is. I don't agree with you, Lord, so I'm going a different direction. 
Now, it's very specific here that it says down. He went down to Joppa. That's both geographical. He went down in elevation. He went south. But it also is very clear that it's, it's reflective of the direction. He went down and away from the Lord's will for his life. He went down. He, his life decreased in quality. His life decreased in obedience. His the life decreased in fulfillment. And I say this to you. If we don't listen to lead God's leading, we don't listen to his call, the same thing possibly could happen to us. Now, you need to understand geography to understand what Jonah's trying to do. God says to, from northern Israel, Jonah, you need to go up to Iraq. It's about 550 miles uh, to the northeast. And what does Jonah do? He goes down to Joppa to get on a ship to go to Tarshish, which is in southwest Spain. It's as far in their, mod- in their times as far as the map went, was to the western end of the Mediterranean from where they were on the eastern side of the Mediterranean. It's like God saying to you, you're living in Indianapolis, God calling you and saying, I want you to go down to preach to those heathens down in Atlanta, Georgia, and you instead say, no, I'm going to go to Los Angeles instead and hang out on the beach. It's that kind of fleeing that, in other words, he's trying to to get away from God. And how do we get away from God? Well, notice there there just happens to be a ship waiting that day, and he has money to pay for it. I, I think a lot of times we create a lot of noise around us. We, we have the material resources to maybe to not do what God is calling us to do, leading us to do, the, not the, to be around the people that he wants us to be around. We have diversions. Satan, I think, has a part in that. I think also our own self-interest. We all, just as we have Nineveh's, we also have Tarshish's. Say that a few times. Tarshish's. Multiple Tarshish. Each one of us have a Tarshish or two. It is for that reason that in this God who gives us free will, that, that each of us can make choices to run from God rather than toward Him. To run from God's specific will for our lives rather than toward that will, the best way for us to live. All of us have a choice. Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. That choice that's made for our own self-interest, for our own self-gratification, that choice that we make for our material benefit ultimately can lead away from God, ultimately can lead to death. You see, what we're talking about is sin. Sin is choosing to move away from God rather than toward Him. And the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Sometimes it's a relational death. Sometimes it's the the pain and grief, the shame, the guilt of moral and emotional death. Sometimes it's actual physical death and ultimately internal punishment. But what we need to understand is is that we all have a choice, and we need to recognize those choices for what they are. I think today, perhaps, some of us are headed more toward our own personal Tarshish 
and our own personal Nineveh, going where God wants us to go and calls us to go rather than where we want to go. If so, understand the third part of this pattern that Jonah shows us so well is the grace of God. Now, I'm going to talk a lot about this over the next few weeks. After all, it is the title of the whole series. But just let me say these things about the grace of God today. <clears throat> First, I quote from Pascal, French philosopher, to make a man a saint, grace is absolutely necessary. And whoever doubts it does not know what a saint is or what a man is. To make a man a saint, uh, grace is absolutely necessary. Um, some years ago, Philip Yancey wrote a mega bestseller, at least in Christian circles, called What's So Amazing About Grace? It, I recommend that book highly to you. I, I think we don't talk about grace near enough. Or maybe we talk about it enough. We don't live it enough. He called grace in that book the last great word. He meant that it's one of the last great words that has retained some of its original meaning. Its original meaning was free and undeserved bounty. For instance, when we pray, we say grace to thank God for our food. We are grateful for a kindness done by another person. To show our thanks, we offer, offer a gratuity. <laughs> Something offered at no cost is said to be gratis. And when we have overdue books from the library, we may return them at no charge during a what? A grace period. All of those carry on that original meaning, free and undeserved blessing or bounty or favor. It's commonly said that Christianity is a religion supremely of grace. At least the way we talk. We sing about grace. We write poems about grace. We name our churches and our children after grace. If you ask us, we certainly believe in grace. But outside of the worship service, the word is rarely on our lips or in our actions. He goes on to say that grace shocks us in what it offers. It's truly not of this world. It frightens us with what it does for sinners. Grace teaches us that God does for others what we would never do for them. We would save the not so bad. God starts with prostitutes and then goes to people who make even worse choices than that. Grace is a gift that costs everything to the giver and nothing to the receiver. It is given to those who don't deserve it, barely recognize it, and hardly appreciate it. In other words, if you live in a land of that's not fair or this is fair, grace is a foreign land. Grace is something all of us want and none of us want to be agents of and instruments of. The reality is this, God is more gracious than I am. You know how I know that? Because he saves people I wouldn't save if I were him. He blesses people I wouldn't bless if I were him. He uses people that I wouldn't use in his service if I were him. In fact, if I were him, I never would have used me. But he sees things differently. He sees you differently. He sees your mistakes differently he sees your possible future differently but you have to accept it you have to turn i'm so glad he is god and i'm not the bible says he is compassionate 
and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And that's good news for sinners everywhere. That's good news for you and me. Let me wrap this up with two lessons for today. Again, I'll talk a lot about this in the next uh, few weeks. First, every step away from God's will is a downward step. In other words, God's want, he wants us to make choices. He wants to be moving up and toward him rather than down and away from him. Every step away from God's will. God says, go to Nineveh. He gets down on that ship and goes to Tarshish. You always can find an excuse. You always can find a way to move away from God and down from God. But make no mistake, those will not lead to blessing. Those downward and away steps. They will not lead to ultimate satisfaction. They will not lead to blessing for you and for others. Only by moving up and toward God will that happen. Second lesson is this. We get away quickly. We recover slowly. We get away quickly. We recover slowly. God gives us our free will, and he doesn't immediately give us consequences or punishment for our choices, our sin choices away from him. In fact, he gives us quite a lot of latitude. Maybe you've noticed that in your life when you have moved away from him. He lets you do that for a while. Make no mistake, though, there is no better time than today to turn toward him because only uh, the gravity and magnitude of those negative consequences will build up if you don't turn, if you delay. My plea to you today is to this day start moving up and toward God and sort of moving down and away from him. Let me ask you, where is your Nineveh? Who is that person? What is that job? What is that ministry or service God is calling you to do and, and you're moving the other direction? So what is your Nineveh? And then maybe it would help to identify your Tarshish those diversions, those escapes that you have away from doing what God made you to do and wants you to be doing. Maybe that's a hobby. Maybe that's a job that's more for the money than it is for the betterment of the kingdom. Maybe it's hanging around people that don't challenge you morally or spiritually who don't believe I would say to you we need to identify Nineveh and Tarshish in our life and then instead of toward Tarshish we need to move away toward our Nineveh Jonah was just like us and we have a decision to make Father as we think about these things today I pray that you'll help us to understand this story is not primarily about a man and a fish. It is about you and us. 
Maybe we've heard, maybe we've felt your truth, your conviction today. Help us to respond to that conviction. Help us to, to, if we aren't Christians, to become a Christian. If we are, help us, Father, to, to be engaged fully, to follow your lead, your will for our lives in ministry, in extending and living by grace toward others, in sharing your message, even to people that we maybe don't see ourselves as or we're not like. I thank you, Lord, that you see all of us, all of us sinners as potential saints. We thank you for your grace. Help us to respond to it today. In Jesus' name.